I'm Justin. And I'm Curtis. And this is our, like, digital humanities reflection, and we called it Two Guys, One Mic. We still haven't come up with episode titles yet. I don't know if we ever will get to that level. I say we save that for the first one we have Dr. Green on. We'll make it, like, the most professional one we've done yet. We'll try to, like, cut in music, and we'll actually title the episode itself instead of just the podcast. Yeah, good, it's it's our way of enticing Doctor Green to come on the show. Be like, you want us to be more professional? You got to come on the show. Otherwise, we're just gonna keep on rambling. Yep, that's what we do. But again, new week's reflection. We've got some interesting topics. We're gonna we're gonna kill some time by talking about our own DH projects and stroke our egos a little bit, and then we've got some other stuff for you. So our first one is like the digital humanities projects that we have coming up. So. Why don't you start and give us a little background on what you think you're doing or what you are doing and yeah. what you've learned. So uh, my project is more of an archival project. Uh, right now it's called Places of Protest, the East Center. Uh, the basic idea is that I am keyword searching the word protest throughout all of the East Center's publications, collecting them all, and then creating a narrative out of those. I have this uh, Wikipedia-esque timeline thing happening wherein all viewers of the website will be able to edit the thing but I also got a PDF of it just in case <laughs> and uh, yeah that's pretty much where I'm at very cool well my project is gonna be like the house that haunted a house it's a cheesy name but apparently everybody loves it it's grown on me it's gonna be about can space be haunted by other space so we're gonna talk about the interconnectedness of uh, Eastern and Chini the ramifications of those which one haunts which or do they both mutually haunt the other and like what are the implications ramifications of that um got a whole lot of theory on hauntology that i uh, haven't read yet it's an awesome word, it is it is i love it i love it it's a great word it's 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 up there with palimpsestuous <laughs> it's, it's close yeah, yeah it's it's up there um my question coming back to yours is um because i don't know if we talked about it last week because that's what grad school is it's a blur where you never know what you're doing but is the current protest that happened last week going to be on your uh i really wish i could get that but there hasn't been an eastern article about it yet so hopefully i'll be able to find it the problem is the uh because i'm using the uh what is it ewu digital commons mm -hmm. which only has up to 2016 so oh. that's the cutoff. I'm going to try and see if I can find another source to kind of uh, fill in the spaces. There's also this really weird 10 year gap between 1989 and 1999, which is odd. That's so, odd. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm still looking for other articles and stuff, but if I could include that, that would be awesome. Maybe that expansion in our uh, matrix isn't done yet, so they've held off. Yeah. Like <laughs> 1989 to 99, that expansion pack isn't up yet for premium users i don't know we're just making shit up yeah. um yeah but that's super cool and that's interesting but kind of problematic that like our digital commons is now running into three years behind in terms of digitizing our own paper yeah for sure you know yeah did we talk about the protest last week on our podcast i don't think we did i, I think it happened did, yeah friday didn't it it happened last friday correct was it, friday? it might have been a thursday it might have been because i was there i might have Oh, so it was a Thursday then. But it happened last week. We had a very interesting protest where we had... <laughs> I don't know if we should... Yeah. I, I feel like we... I'm having deja vu because I feel like we talked about this, but I don't know. That's pretty much 
briefly talk about it. Yeah, here. but we had a protest. Yeah. There were religious groups on campus. Uh, anti-abortion? Was yeah, they were anti-abortion, yeah. yeah. And they were just religious in general. One dude was trying to give me dating advice about, like, he's from Brother brother Dave, Brother Tom, Brother Tom. He's like, dating advice from Brother Tom. I'm like, yeah, I found oh. some interesting articles on this guy named uh, Brother Jed. Do you know who that is? Is that who it is? That was it. Did That's he it? have the, the weird cap? Like the, uh, uh, oh, I didn't have any good pictures yeah. on the articles, but yeah, there's some articles about him, so I'll definitely tie those in. Oh, please, please, please do. You know more about him now. All he was doing was trying to give me, give me dating advice, and he had like a body cam on, which means he was looking to start shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's basically like he crossed the line into fanaticism um, to some extent. I mean, I sorry, brother Jay. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but um, no, it's it's been a thing for Eastern for at least like ten plus years. Yeah, that's 20 years-ish. Yeah, so that's kind of fascinating for sure. I didn't realize he was involved in that madness. But. No, neither did I. That's interesting. Now it, now, it, now it puts a whole new little twist on why they showed up like they did. And yeah. now now I'm not feeling so bad about like the lack of discussion that occurred during the protest with them just being like, nope, you can get off. So maybe I came at a time when they had already tried to have discussion you know, because yeah. that was something that was, I found interesting, but it was like, it was, it was interesting and disheartening. Like I was hoping for more discussion, but I may have very well missed that because I just showed up randomly. What about you? What did you experience there? Honestly, this is kind of shameful, but I didn't really partake. I kind of just went to class because I'm only at the school for so long. Oh, this is true. I'm yeah. stuck there all day. Life of a grad school GSA. But yeah. Um. Anyways. That was just a weird thing. I feel like we talked about it last week. If we, we did, did, great. If not, oh well. I think we, we must have. There's yeah, no way that happened on... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. It did happen on Thursday because we went to Dr. Best class. Yep. Yeah, so and, do you have... Sorry. Oh, go ahead. But uh, for your project, do you have like an overall kind of... I mean, you kind of mentioned it, but like, what's your official thesis? Throw <laughs> <laughs> you on the spot there. Can space be haunted by other spaces, I guess? Like... That's that's like the working thesis, but I'm I'm interested to see like can Eastern be haunted by Chini and can Chini be haunted by Eastern and what are the the ramifications of that? I feel like I'm literally just saying what I've already said because I don't have a real strong thesis because I'm I've got fat fat big brain books that I've got to read and articles that I haven't read yet. But I just want to know because we talk about like physical space is being haunted by like history, but his story like yeah, yeah. <laughs> i said his story sorry history history really linguistics not. yeah almost they are obvious. yeah yeah in in the in the uh, patriarchy history is his story yeah i wonder if that's intentional or in i don't know anyways that's yeah. that's a that's a that's a that's an internet black hole okay. that i will hopefully uh, uh, update you on yeah, yeah. Conspiracy we, we know a guy we know a guy. <laughs> we'll just use that as a segue into talking about the the uh, the projects we just saw. We saw some really great digital narratives. I did one about Trump and moving past ad hominems. What was yours about your narrative? Oh yeah, so I created a character and then kind of just 
create an archive of the memories so that you can kind of interact with each in whatever order, order you wanted to. Oh yeah, yeah, because that was yeah that was a topic for one of our our discussions was like even out of chronological order the fact that you start and end on this narrative does that create a linearity in it you know? Yeah, and that's sort of the idea that I was playing with was like can you simultaneously have a linear and an ominous mm -hmm. happening? And I kind of conceived of that as sort of the act of memory mm -hmm. is creating a linear narrative. Or how, the, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but like the way the past sort of, and the present are always infecting each other, if that makes some sense. Oh, they totally, yeah, it totally makes sense. Like, they are. Like, we wouldn't be where we are without the past, you know. Yeah. And the future is always, I guess the future infecting the past is a little more interesting and complicated, because I, I, I'm, yeah. yeah. Well, the way I conceived it is that, uh, keep on saying that word again. Oh. <laughs> but, um conceive away I will yeah <laughs> but the idea is that like every time you experience a memory you're affecting that memory with the feeling that you're having in that moment if that makes sense so yeah it's almost like you're never recalling the actual moment you're recalling the last time you experienced that memory oh I like that that's a nice little wrinkle like is the the like the the tenth time you remember your first kiss the same as the first time you remember your first kiss or is that first kiss even the the same as you actually remember it and we wanted to talk about like our other class so look at that we've segued into a narrative <laughs> theme or not narrative theme uh what would i want to say a narrative element of like misrepresentation or reconstruction yeah. reconstruction wow misrepresentation i guess reconstructions can be misrepresentations as we've seen in the handmaid's tale yeah yeah, internal misrepresentation. Is that what we are going through every time we recall a memory? Because, like you said, like, if I'm really sad the last time I remembered something, you know, the memory that I'm remembering, is it going to be just as sad because the last time I remembered it, I was really sad and imprinted its sadness on it? Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a good question. But <laughs> yeah. That's sort of the idea I'm playing with. In theory, it's all good. I don't know how it works in practice. <laughs> Me neither. I, uh, I, so, oh, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to talk about some of our other classmates' stuff? Just blew mine out of the water. Oh, know. yeah. No, I totally wanted to. I was just going to muse, like, we were trying to figure out how to connect these things, and, like, we've done it, but we talked so little between all of those connections. It just, <laughs> we blew the show right there. It feels like had we found those connections later, we would have had, this, like, the best show yet, but we just blew it. But, yes, I do want to talk about the narratives we saw. Um... Do we have to not name names for anonymity? Like the four people who listened. Oh, wait, maybe the fourth one does isn't in our class, so we'll be anonymous. We've already mentioned one of the people. Oh yeah, so. Name. Yeah, but it, it doesn't matter. Like, uh, we'll talk about Matt's. Matt's. He he did a conspiracy video. Like he did a parody of a conspiracy theory video, and we got this really cool. Like, I just find it funny. Like you think of something like that that should just be like funny and inane and mean nothing but somehow in a literature and digital humanities class it like got into a weird discussion so how did you feel about matt's video and like what it was trying to achieve i was pretty impressed actually like i was it's weird because it's a weird idea mm -hmm. but he did a really good job of kind of making aware that it's a parody and then you know allowing that to mm -hmm. be the effect that sort of carries the message across because otherwise you would have just thought uh -huh. well, or you would have thought he's serious and like depending on your own views you're right you would think he's right um 
because I'm trying to think of how to reconstruct it. Like, um, but we talked about like algorithms. They're not. That's that's a whole other thing. YouTube's algorithm and how Matt's was an infection in it. That I found really cool yeah. because like, I'm like sort of insurgent. Yeah, the insurgent presence, Adam. Adam. It's a digital insurgency, right? I think yes, that's his phrase. Adam, shout out to you for digital insurgency. And if you didn't say it, I just made it up, so shout out to me. Yeah. <laughs> Giving credit where credit is due. But that was super, super fascinating. I hadn't even thought of that because, like, until somebody pointed out that his was the only not, he literally, we searched the exact title, and his comes up as the second result underneath yeah. a Today Show thing. Yeah. How did that, that make you feel? I laughed myself. Because <laughs> it's, it's really weird. Because, yeah, it's this conspiracy theory and this just sea of random news stuff mm-hmm. relating to Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. Did we say what conspiracy theory was? Did we? No. So Tom Cruise is immortal, everybody. Just saying. <laughs> That's it. Yes. Based on the fact that he was born in 1960-something, the Born on the 4th of July came out or is set in 1962 years after 1960-something, and somehow Tom Cruise was 34 years old at the age of two, and it's it's an intentional intentional mindfuck by Matt, so I'm going to just stop there. It's an intentional mindfuck, but that's the conspiracy theories. Tom Cruise is an immortal based off of the fact that he was in Interview with the Vampire. Yes. (laughs) Which just turned 25 this year. Like, recently. I just saw it on, like, Reddit. Yeah. But... Tom yeah. Cruise looks the same in every movie, I guess. He's sort of the, yeah. the launching point. But yeah. yeah. And it was interesting. And, like, the fact that, like, his came up, A, as a conspiracy theory being searched, like, you still couldn't find it, you were surrounded by news, but also the fact that his is integrated in news. Like, the implications of that, like, those who lack the skills that we are honing as literary studies people and human- humanists, is that the term? Yes, humanists. Uh they might think it's real. That was an interesting thing about yeah. letting view counts speak for credibility. How did that strike you? Uh, I'm going to use a meaningless word, problematic. <laughs> but, um, yeah, sort of the idea that for something to have value it has to be accepted widely. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. But the fact that there is nonsense amid all of the news is kind of fascinating, too, because, like, again, if Matt's theoretically if his video got super popular and it has millions of views then it's nearly indistinguishable Jesus is hard besides the fact that the title is Tom Cruise is immortal (laughs) yeah but you're right and and he took it to a hyperbolic extreme to make it painfully obvious that he's not actually putting forth a, a theory based in any validity as we saw with his super confusing math that I tried to explain here and got messed up. But if you watch the video, like the, 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 the video is literally full of logical fallacies. Like, and if he hadn't done that and taken it seriously, taken or taken, I don't know. Dr. Tracy come to our rescue, grammar us up. (laughs) Still have to tell her to listen to last week because I gush about her, but I haven't seen her. Um, anyways, but the fact that he, unless he hadn't made it painfully aware, like we tied it to Alex Jones, Alex Jones, right? The the yeah, yeah, the, the Sandy Hook conspiracy theorist, oh, right. and yeah. uh, was he was he the gay guy too? He, he was. He, was. Okay. he is. I don't even know who he does. He work for anybody anymore, or is his show no, on the internet? He got, he got kicked yeah. from Ev. That takes some fucking talent to get <laughs> kicked from like Fox News, yeah. and 
and cable in general with like the 950 channels like he couldn't even get public access he had to go to the internet like yeah, that's impressive yeah. Yeah. yeah but he's a guy who was brought up like he puts these things forward and instead of fact checking him people take his views as like the credibility so yeah that's fucking scary that is scary thank you Matt for that yeah yeah um did you want to talk about uh we could talk about lanes because that was very similar to yours but it was a yeah. real world example of the same thing and yeah so let's talk about lanes you you run with that because yeah yeah so lanes is similar to mine in the sense that it is kind of these fragmented memories of sorts mm -hmm. uh theirs is very um what's the word mine immediately makes a lot more sense if that makes sense like uh, matt called it a fever dream yes and i i, I wholeheartedly support that description yeah. of it the first time through it's it's confusing and it it creates a weird like yeah. meshing of memories yeah exactly so Lane creates a timeline. There's a movie associated with every uh, moment in the timeline. Kind of just obscurely. Well, right? not every moment. Oh, Remember the oh, when they right. were homeless. That's a that's a twist. When that's they were twist, homeless, yeah. there were no movie theater because they had lost touch with being pop culture. They they were they were anchorless. I guess is, is that the term they used? I don't know if they did, but I, I feel like that's did. a great way to ex describe it. They were anchorless yeah, sure. and. Yeah, but had larger concerns. The fact that it's like, almost like they've been separated from their culture. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. I love that. So, super, continue. Yeah, super cool. Idea. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, these two weirdly, like, incredibly personal, but then also pop culture happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have to, we'll use that word again, reconstruct it after you've looked at all of it. Mm -hmm. But it's very confusing. Um I don't know what else to say. Do you want to add something? Yeah, but it like I want to talk about for me the 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 personal and the pop culture, the meshing of the two created like I said like it imprinted their memories on my own timeline because like while they were reading, which I think it heavily benefited from them reading it cuz I actually hadn't seen it the first time because I, did, I I only look about at about half to three quarters of the classes when I'm posting. Yeah. I, I, I and and even then like it's a quick cursory look. I do I do admit I, I look for videos because I don't have to do anything but click play. <laughs> yeah. But when they read it, it it definitely did something. But I think it benefited from it. But like that that pop culture thinking about that artifact while hearing them read an element of their life. Yeah. Like it created well, a weird thing. And the movie was the top movie of the year, mm -hmm. right? So it wasn't necessarily associated with their personal life. It was very much associated with what the entire culture thought was mm -hmm. the best movie of that year. So that does kind of... You attach your personal memories of that movie to a specific time in real life, and you're kind of interacting with this fragment of their life at the mm -hmm. same time, so that fragment becomes part of your life in a weird but awesome way. Yeah, yeah, and it, it did. And it, it created a more moving, like, that... That's tapping into multiple, like, memories that, I guess that multimodality of it, like, emotionally. Yeah. Like, the visual, the audio, and then, mm -hmm. like, having the, 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 the lump of flesh in my head, like, make all of these <laughs> neuron fires and connections. I, I you know, I, I mean, I want to move away from, like, thinking of the brain as the center of my being, because, like, you know, it's... it's I mean, there's, I don't know, a bunch of cells together can be the center of somebody's being. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
But well, I I didn't want to equate my brain with like my emotions, but it oh. kind of is like it 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 created a feeling within me that the whole like cacophony of like colliding sensory things like created a weird feeling in me that normally doesn't happen and it was super cool not gonna lie it was super cool and it it made me empathetic right is that the word right yeah Yeah. empathetic in a way that i normally have a hard time crossing with just things yeah well in a way it, it was so minimal like made it almost universally applicable to some extent like it's obviously very clearly a part of their life but mm-hmm. it also feels like it could be very much a part of your life mm-hmm. yeah so yeah super cool so. yeah and that's that's what we have that's that's pretty much how the ending of everything is going to go like <laughs> and i'm gonna save the best for last it's not my 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 project of course <laughs> but in in my opinion again having not clearly gone through everybody's but rog does video was wow it just blew me away it i'll admit i got a little teary-eyed at points like watching it like it, it gave you that well up emo- like i don't know if you've ever watched everybody knows it when you hear the sarah mclaughlin song yeah. in the arms of an angel like you instantly want to cry because you think sad puppies yeah and we've we've talked about that shelby's used that as a rhetorical trick of like pulling yeah. at heartstrings and like the pathos right? the, yeah yeah the pathos the the appeal to emotion yes look at that rhetoric stuff yes um but like it did it made me like it, it it emotionally connected with me again and maybe that's because i'm always on the verge of crying in grad school so when i see something sad it like makes me want to cry it's just like harmonized with your already existing sadness yes it does yeah but how did you feel about rock other than i just said it blew me away but do you want to give us some background on it and like tell us how it made you feel because it almost made me cry yeah no that was super uh what's the word i don't use a cliche word <laughs> powerful or profound or however you want to yeah. talk about it but um it was basically like a very short documentary film about um was it the uh, protests in iraq mm-hmm. yeah which is sort of something that's kind of gone by the wayside in recent or not even recent years in the last 10 or so years right? yeah oh since since bush threw up that mission accomplished like banner in what 2002 yeah <laughs> Oh, we have such a troublesome history. <laughs> yes, we do. And we can talk about that. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it totally has. Like, like Argentina, I think, is one of the countries where they've been shooting protesters in the eyes with the bullets. They're not lethal, but they're yeah. blinding people. Then well, you have then, Hong Kong as well, obviously. Yeah. But you, you well, right. with Raga's example, the, mm-hmm. it was very clearly lethal. Mm-hmm. Even though it wasn't, I don't think it was the bullets, right? It was like grenade shells yeah they're shooting into people's heads yeah it's it's tragic yeah. it is and and as we've said in our, our constant news cycle like it, it it got traction i think for like a half second like yeah if i'm being honest in my specter of things because i i'm not from the middle east and it's it shows my ignorance but i think that's why it hasn't been talked about here is like we're tired of talking about the middle east being in chaos because it's been that way since especially iraq specifically it's yeah. been that way since we moseyed on in Mr. Bush, yeah. yeah thank you sir <laughs> anyways but yeah. it was super interesting because i had seen it i had forgotten about it and then this just re-brought it up in a new and amazing like and more it, in more 
in, 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 a, in a more profound way than my typical news. Yeah, absolutely. Because it was told from her very personal mm-hmm. uh, viewpoint. Mm-hmm. So there is that very like intimate connection between you and the narrator. Mm-hmm. And it kind of it adds that air of subjectivity that's honest and nice. It's not exactly there in the news, which is supposed mm-hmm. to be objective. But yeah. Often yeah. Not, you know, and I think that was one of the strengths of it is it could honestly claim to be very subjective told from her viewpoint. So you went into it like, I don't want to say more open, but you were just like, okay, I'm going to watch this from their point of view. Whereas like you said, with the objectivity air quoting, cause you can't see us of news yeah. and I should say news again, cause we don't, yeah, it's all problematic <laughs> to use a, the meaningless word. Everything is problematic. The word problematic is problematic. Yeah. But, yeah, I appreciated hers and, like, the subjectivity of it and the clearly acknowledging that it was told from her perspective and to serve a purpose of informing us of something that we aren't seeing or we aren't seeing in this fashion. Yeah. Like, was very moving and fantastic. I thought all the projects should be public-facing, but of all of them, I thought that was the most, like, that should be out there for everybody. Yeah, yeah. No, I was I was definitely feeling like hopefully Ragda had posted it on YouTube somewhere, not just yeah. a video for the class. We've been talking about this and the fabulous Rose, who might make another great guest on our show, definitely. Um, brought up towards the end of a discussion that we were having and we've been interdisciplinary all along. So we had this conversation in class about like why we should be moving towards interdisciplinarity. Yeah. Look at me pronouncing that word correct, and and why we've resisted. And I th- the, the end of our conversation came down to, I think, the whole class. Not the whole class, but there was some consensus that we've been interdisciplinary the whole time, and we just pretend we're not. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is kind of a, this is a very, again, problematic uh, analogy I'm going to use, but there's something, we think about it in the same way that we think about, like, cultural assimilation if mm-hmm. that makes sense like or the melting pot mm-hmm. like it's really like a fruit salad like everybody has their own culture sort of yeah. thing but in the same bowl yeah. but you know like we have this fear that like if we let literature be a part of everything else and it's gonna vanish yeah under, yeah which is unrealistic hopefully mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah but yeah like like you said and rose said we've always been sort of i guess what's the word interdisciplinary yes yeah so how have we always been interdisciplinary, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> wow, the big questions. The ah, big questions. I personally, I I feel like all like especially my writing and rhetorical skills because this is a no, this is technically a literature class. This is technically. I and I I I don't yeah. see it, but I'm not in charge of the university. It feels like a rhetoric class because we've yeah. been emphasizing rhetoric, and I think that that. For me is where our like our strength one of our strengths lies is like I feel like I'm a better like I have a better grasp of like reading rhetorical situations and figuring out how to approach things because of like the multifaceted approach that I've had to use in literature. I can't just always attack things one way. I have to use yeah. different lenses, different thoughts. I have to adapt and overcome to, to quote I, that feels like a military thing. <laughs> yeah, it does. But uh I mean, I think we talk about theory a lot, and uh, those theorists are rarely literature writers. You know, mm-hmm. like 
Some of them are sociologists, some of them are linguists. Yeah. What was Marx? Was Marx a sociologist, sociologist. and philosopher? I don't know. Maybe it's probably, I don't know. I, I, I think Philosophy it, this... Philosophy is like, it's a hard one because it's like, it touches on everything. Uh-huh. It's still separated from it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we talk about it like somehow Plato's the only philosopher we should read, and yeah. like he's the be all end all for lit studies, but he's he's not. No, yeah. Wait, Nietzsche, we read Nietzsche. Nietzsche's a philosopher. Yeah, uh, well, the birth of tragedy, right? Or was it, or what was it? I don't know. Dr. Flynn made us read Nietzsche. He did. It was the birth. It was. The I think it was. Study, I, I think yeah. it was a section out of that. Yeah, we know he's also. No, because that's a big. <laughs> it's a big thing. Yes. You should read Nietzsche. <laughs> yes, you should. Be the uh, Ubermensch. <laughs> the Ubermensch, yes. That's uh, a, again, problematic word, too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But it's German, so they just, they have weird words. Yeah. Shut up, phone. I'm apparently popular this evening. But, yeah, interdisciplinarity. Like, I don't think I answered your question. I think I kind of said that. Like, but I, well. No, you did. Well, oh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Here's a kind of interesting, or what I thought was interesting about the first part you said, is the fact that we have to distinguish between literature and rhetoric. Because the two are very closely tied. One is focused more on spoken, and one is more on written language. Mm-hmm. But, so that's kind of interesting. I don't know. Yeah, well, I, well the, see, the thing is, is, like, rhetoric can be spoken, but, like, when we teach the rhetorical situation and, like, composition, like, the, yeah, sure. I mean, for at least if you're, you're I think you're 27? Oh, I'm not 23. Oh, shit. Never mind. Yeah. I was like, I don't know why I thought you were that much older. I don't know why. But um, I think at your age, it was still a thing. The who, what, when, where, why. That's like the same thing as a rhetorical situation. Like your oh, purpose, yeah. your audience, your tone. Like things of that nature. Like the whole rhetorical situation. So I think there's there's a translation there. But Yeah, if anyone was an argument, right? It's mm-hmm. considered a rhetorical sort of situation. Yeah. I don't know why my phone's going off. I have like two and a half friends. <laughs> it's always when it's inconvenient. That we're yeah, yeah, exactly. And the half friend is just legs, so they type with toes. <laughs> just throwing that out there to be weird. So we've talked about most of our topics. The only thing that we haven't talked about is digital humanities as social justice. And that's been a theme for like the past three weeks. We keep bringing it up, but we've been researching, we've been doing, we posted on a Padlet various digital humanities as social justice product products projects how did you feel about those yeah those are very interesting i don't know it's hard for me to like conceptualize to some extent like how do we create social justice because what is justice well yeah that's (laughs) the idea i don't know maybe i'll throw this at you and see if you agree with me yeah let's let's hear it you, you wanted to say way to talk yeah. about justice i just gave you one let's do let's, it or the definition the word yeah so um to me justice implies a sort of balancing and in some sense that implies a sort of a undoing of wrong things if that makes sense yeah so i feel like especially we talked about the idea of recovery like i don't think literature is capable of really undoing anything terrible mm-hmm. that makes sense and that's kind of cynical but <laughs> but what do you think i don't know i i like what you're saying like the balancing because of course like the first thing i thought of is like our blind lady justice and the yeah, scales yeah. and like yeah you would you would yeah because the undoing of trauma I, I don't think you can undo it and i don't know how you go about like balancing the scales going forward and 
I th- I think you're I think you're you're interestingly right. I don't think like literature can undo like social evils, or maybe it can. Yeah, well, it's kind of similar to the uh, to use like a cultural example. We have the uh, death penalty in America, and uh, the killing of a killer doesn't unkill the original person. You know? so, like, right. It, it it's yeah. yeah. It's a sense of I I don't even know what it is because. I would have to have had somebody murdered to, to, to understand that sort of yeah. loss. No, for sure. And then to, to, to see what kind of closure. And I think you're right, and the death penalty is problematic on all sorts of things. And I think one of the biggest things for me, like you said, like the murdering of a murderer doesn't unmurder the murdered. Yeah. And the murdered's family. I But I guess it all depends on the closure that the murdered the mur- the person who was murdered i was just trying to use murdered as much as possible and i screwed <laughs> it up but the person who was murdered's family i don't know the closure they get but yeah the the problem for me with the death penalty is and i know we're off on this thing because we'll get back to justice but like i thought like a, th- a thing like that is supposed to prevent these sort of heinousness and if it's a philosophical question interdisciplinarity oh, yeah. you know because i think we are weird lit philosophers yeah, I totally well, I think mean, that. The entirety of Plato's Republic is dealing with mm-hmm. the notion of justice. Yeah. I don't remember if he comes to a conclusion. <laughs> Probably not. He rarely does, I feel like. But... Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> but yeah, so it's a it's one of those terms that I feel like we need to try and define. Just because I've always mm-hmm. thought of it as a sort of moral moralizing sort of balancing act. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think you can I don't know. I don't know. And I'm interested, I mean, I guess it would be depending, well, and I, I think we'd have to go a step beyond literature itself and, like, the digital humanities. I don't know what they can do to, to, to create social justice. I mean, we'd have to, like, I think, let's see what the internet calls the definition of social justice. Social justice definition. And we have, this is from a dictionary, which I don't know which dictionary it is. Or, oh, it's from the Oxford Dictionary. Nice. So I'm not sure which version they're using. It feels like a bunch of publishing companies throw the Oxford Dictionary on their things, and they might not be as good as like the actual like Oxford English Dictionary that our school pays enormous amounts of money to use, but I can only use it on their Wi-Fi. Have you ever noticed that? I can only yeah. use it on campus, and it pisses me off. I have used it ever. So. <laughs> I've only used it because Dr. Tracy loved looking up weird words, and then yeah. I got into a weird rabbit holy phase, but... Uh, justice in terms of distribution oh social justice definition getting back to you uh, so justice in terms of the distribution of wealth opportunities and privileges within a society that's their definition okay yeah so I, I think you're on there like with justice being a moral leveling of wrongs and I don't yeah. know if we can ever truly do that I think maybe digital humanities like doing these projects is our, our attempt and we might be screaming into the void because you know, and for an anonymity's sake, I I screwed it up the first time, and then I was like trying to think of the wrong way. But for anonymity's sake, I'm not gonna name names, but I know somebody who has a daughter who is African American, and like I'm just talking about this for like the retron, like undoing the the trauma. Like I don't know if we can ever undo that. Like there was a, a thing that came up where we had used the n-word out of a book or going to meet going down to the square uh, or party down at the square party, okay. um 
anyways, that probably gives away who this story is, and I'm keeping it anonymous, but they have a child. <laughs> Dr. Green will already know. Sorry, but I'm trying to be as anonymous as possible. But anyways, they had a traumatic incident with being, like, insulted with slurs, racial slurs, and that event was traumatic in and of itself, but when the school tried to do something about it, like, they're in their attempt to give social justice like the way they went about it they re-traumatized the victim so i i that was an interesting question that we haven't fully talked about is like is our attempt at social justice like a potential just re-traumatization of somebody yeah when we talked about what we brought this up in another podcast but with sarah she brought up the whole oh what was it the uh the dam Oh the yes, the side. the dropping of the water, the the yeah. Karen who who introduced that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. But um. How was I going to say? Is the act of recovery just kind of, again, sort of removing, <clears throat> removing the water to see all the destruction yeah. of it, or ripping off the band aid to use an old adage? Yeah. I. I mean, sorry. Oh, this go ahead. Is, this argument's kind of all about semantics, anyways. Mm-hmm. So it's not super important. But, I mean, I think as a goal, justice is good. Mm-hmm. But as a possibility, I don't think it's really possible. Yeah. In my understanding of it, again, I don't know. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. I get it. Um, no, yeah. We've, we've just been stumbling all over each other tonight. It, it happens in podcasts. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I agree with you. I don't know if it's ever truly possible like if it's ever an actually achievable goal i think it's an admirable thing to strive towards and we should not stop because we can't attain it but i don't think we can ever truly attain it yeah for sure well i mean in the process you're making the world a better place Mm -hmm. awesome thanks we throw that word around a lot i feel like i don't know it seems like we should like conceptualize it before we start claiming that we're able to create that thing i don't know it's a weird sort of no no i get it like language is problematic and how we this is a linguistic things how we give concrete meaning to things that are so obscure and actually don't really mean anything until we assign value to them like it makes it very problematic like you said justice as a concept is an interesting thing but it is a problematic concept Um, I, I, I think we're off script now because oh, okay. we've, we've done our upcoming projects. We both explained ours very poorly. Yes. Um, have we been interdisciplinary all along? We touched on that. We just scratched the surface. I don't know. I, again, I think we are, I think we have been, I think our skills translate across disciplines and I'm sure other disciplines skills translate into ours very well. You know, I'd yeah, have to sure. be more experienced at a discipline. How do you feel about that? We'll just recap. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, we had that idea a while back that um, true originality, true originality is nonsense. So I think like our field has to sort of relate to the world in some way. Otherwise, we're just like nonsense. Yeah, yeah, we're just <laughs> yeah. off in the corner somewhere doing our own thing, and everybody's like, "We don't care about you." Yeah, exactly. So I, it's definitely important that we, and that we always have, that we've kind of folded in these other ideas, whether it be history, sociology. Mm-hmm. philosophy whatever it is oh yeah i mean look at some of the criticisms we have in literature we have psychoanalytical criticism we have yeah. biological criticism we have sociological criticism we have new historicism yeah it's always 
Yeah, I agree. That's how I was going to say. Don't take us away. Mm-hmm. Or, or at least on our our case, we like to steal from other disciplines and inf- like bring yeah. them into ours to 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 enrich our field. And I I think that they like to do the same thing with our stuff. You know, yeah. I hope. Yeah, I think so. I think it's weird. I think what we have is more of like a skill than a field, and we're kind of using all these different fields to kind of fold into that skill. Mm-hmm. That yeah. skill being our ability to write for them. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think I think we do have a skill, a skill, a skill. A skill. <laughs> I don't know why my mouth's not working tonight, but I think you're right. I think we do have a skill, and like part of that skill is incorporating th- other things that would be considered like separate into our thing. Yeah. Can I? Uh... <laughs> This is like kind of a tangent, but do it. Do you remember in Dr. Flynn's class having to read Philip Sidney's Defense of Poetry? Yes, that was so, Britlet three. Britlet three was that? What it was? I think it was. Okay. Or no, I, I think, think it was methodology. I think it was both. Oh, was it both? Okay. Nice. I think I think he had had us read it twice because he's that passionate about poetry, yeah. and that's something I will miss when he's gone. But yeah, the idea is that poetry takes the uh, the crazy abstractions that philosophy has, and it. Uh, concrete that's in history and combines them together to create something new and entertaining for people who want to interact with these things but are afraid to because it's too difficult yeah oh now i'm now it's all coming back to me yeah that's a really interesting point i think i think i think obviously since we're still reading that now yeah. i think he's on to something yeah you, you know yeah. <laughs> i would i think so either that or or we're just like bowing to the altar of like Bibliophobia, bibliophilia, bibliophilia, yeah. like it's an obsession with books. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that even came up, like we, because we were talking about internet versus peer review. Oh yeah, that's right. Like we were talking about that, like about how it, it came about because in a in a class that I have, um, why am I giving? I, I guess I have to. I'm like, why am I giving <laughs> Doctor Green background? That's that's how. <laughs> <laughs> that's how wide our audience is right now but anyways it came up because somebody was asking why use scholarly sources versus just the internet and it, it struck me as odd that they believe in such good on the internet when literally from the time the internet came out my mom was like don't talk to strangers on it and, or, and don't take candy from them I'm like it's the internet mom I can't take candy from a stranger on the internet <laughs> but I digress but then it brought up in me the idea that we bow down to the altar of like peer review and like print the same way that those who don't question things believe in like just believe in the goodness of the internet how about how did, how did that make you feel yeah it's very uh, it's kind of humbling in mm-hmm. a weird way because we're kind of as we're developing our skills as scholars and you know getting our papers to say we're scholars but <laughs> That's kind of like, we've always kind of held those guys as a god, but like, how is that like separate from all the other forms of peer review, I guess? Yeah. I guess, is there peer review on the internet? I mean, there is to some extent. There is to some extent. Like, I would, I would say, as much as professors hate it, like, Wikipedia is a great example of a peer review process on the internet that works more often than it doesn't. And, and, I say that knowing full well that I found a paper, I've, I read an article, that we pretend like peer reviews work all the time, but there was a paper called, I shit you not, The Conceptual Penis 
a social construct that was written by a couple of philosophy professors who made it intentionally nonsense and it got put in a peer-reviewed journal that eventually had to retract it i'm not sure of the 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 esteem of that reviewed journal but i would say that that's an example to tie it back like i think wikipedia is a peer review on the internet how do you feel about that yeah i agree i think it's it's interesting because who's doing the peer reviewing i guess because that's sort of like the distinction that we try to make is Mm -hmm. that all these people are they got degrees. They're scholars. <laughs> Versus Wikipedia is... I mean, they have a staff, right? That kind of sifts through things. They have some staff, but it's a lot of users. There's, yeah, there's mostly w- users. Yeah. Editing, right? mm-hmm. So, yeah, there is that kind of crowdsourcing sort of peer review thing happening. Mm-hmm. But like you said, with the uh, peer review that we take part in... Um, oh, I just lost my thought. <laughs> oh, it's, it's fallible. Just mm-hmm. like Wikipedia is fallible. Yeah, and I think that that's a snobbery in us that we treat our peer review as infallible when we're like, the internet is completely fallible. But I feel like we, to a lesser extent, but then then like it brings up the troubling question of what made those, as you just said, what made those experts experts other than the degrees that we give them, you know? Like, yeah. how does an expert in their field become an expert? By learning from the, like, it's kind of turtle turtles all the way down i love using that phrase like you know experts become experts because another expert trained them where did the first expert come from was he a guy who just made something up like i know everything you know it's problematic like i think it is problematic we assume that our degrees mean so much and they make us an expert and i don't know if they really do yeah they make us more informed i'll give them Mm -hmm. that and yeah being an expert is kind of a what defines an expert it's a very blurry sort of right yeah line between amateur and expert but right and that just it does it does make you wonder because we we aim for transparency but i don't know i might have to look now on one of the articles but i don't know if they list who peer-reviewed them so i could check their credentials they just say peer-reviewed and then they're like oxford press or browsing or i don't i think browsing is just actually a housing for a ton of different journals you know i think they because literally it says date date received looked over and then date accepted there's like three dates that show you the peer review process but i'm not sure if it actually tells us anything about who did it to where we could get even more transparency to see if they know more you know yeah and we talked about you know archiving as violence but we can also talk about editing as sort of violence if you want to like they get to decide what uh theories get published mm-hmm. you're right like We'll talk we can talk about Emily Dickinson like you know editing is as as a form of violence like she refused like she had a few published as far as I know I would have to look the numbers up but had a few published editors insisted on changing them modifying them and she literally was like fuck you don't touch my stuff yeah. I'm amazing yeah. I'll be famous when I'm dead <laughs> and she was but she kept all of her stuff to herself like you know and we talk about archiving as violence and I think we even brought it up like you know, until somebody, until I got into a lit class, I didn't realize that Emily Dickinson's poems weren't actually named. She just numbered them, and that usually yeah. the naming was the first line that they were taking in. Hadn't read a lot of Dickinson, hadn't, like, looked deep into it, but, like, editing is violence. There it is. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it, yeah, change, you it can change the connotation or the, the meaning of anything. Yeah, even after she's dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's got to piece all those things together. Oh, Especially yeah. Especially with her case, because it was all handwritten. Mm-hmm. So. There's that level. 
Oh yeah, interpretation. Oh yeah, interpretation of the the written text. You know, how do we know for sure that like somebody didn't slightly tweak her stuff after she's dead? We don't know. Yeah, I'm curious if there are different like not translations, but different like yeah. versions of her transcriptions. transcriptions. I, yeah, is yeah. that the that I think that's the word. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm curious now too because yeah, it's there's all sorts of problematic things with language now we're just on tangents about weird stuff i yeah, yeah but well, language is problematic <laughs> it all relates i think it's all it's all related i think the problem at like the problems with language and i think that's something that that we spend more time focusing on so we're more keen to like when there is a problem with the language of things or when something smells rotten in denmark <laughs> yeah. hamlet reference hamlet yeah I like how I said that as a question more than a statement. Yeah. I'm like, Hamlet reference? Be yeah. yeah, be confident and just own my wrongness, but yeah. And that's coming from me, so. <laughs> you're right more than you're wrong in class. Thank you, I'll take that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think any of us is true. I, I don't think I've ever had anybody where I'm like, nope, you're absolutely so wrong. I, no, I have. I have. I I now just scenes flashing in my head of people I've encountered in college. I'm like, you're so wrong. But, um, yeah, we could, uh, I think that we can bring it back to like, have we been interdisciplinary? Like we've been talking about the interdisciplinarity and to bring it back, like that's a skill set we're trying to teach people is how to evaluate sources and whatnot. And I think that's how we're trying to portray ourselves is like useful or interdisciplinary like you have to be able to evaluate things like i could say that that's a way that literature i don't know if it's exclusive to literature but it's something we do well i think that's a thing you could say that has spread from us to other disciplines yeah for sure so uh this has been two guys one mic i'm curtis i'm justin and see you guys soon also give us stuff yes yeah, stuff